Come in, sit down, and listen to all hunting, all fishing, and all outdoors. If you get your feelings hurt when animals die, this isn't the show for you. Broadcasting from the Appalachian Mountains in Northeast Alabama, it's the Alabama Sportsman's Podcast. And here's your host, Jamie Sparks. For many people who fish, the brim is probably the first fish we caught, and there was nothing like it. As for my guest today, she is taking brim fishing to a whole nother level. Sarah Parvin is poised to break the 72-year-old world record for the bluegill brim. A private pond that she and her dad have and manage is producing some of the biggest brim I have ever seen, and before long, the whole world. Sarah has to beat the current world record of 4 pounds 12 ounces by 2 ounces, and she is confident that she will do it this spring. For those who don't know, the past two world record brim have been caught in Alabama. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all at Alabama Sportsman. What made you want to catch bluegill like you do? I mean, you are a panfish fanatic, and how, <laughs> how did you get into the panfish? Well, you know, honestly, I think that's how everyone that fishes gets started. We all remember as kids, you know, off a dock at the lake or fishing a local pond, you know, you, you, chances are of you catching a small bluegill, they're pretty common. But that's usually what I call the gateway tug. That's where it starts for everybody as these smaller panfish. They're relatively easy to catch. Um, and I think that's just how it has started for most every angler I've spoken to anyway. That is what they have told me is catching bluegill is how they got started. And it's actually how Ray Scott decided to start bass b-a-s-s um he he was bluegill fishing a local pond down by where he lived and caught his first bass on accident Mm -hmm. um and that is how ray scott sort of birthed bass so it was just it's just something that's so memorable i think and um i don't know i just absolutely am fascinated by them they are beautiful beautiful fish as you can see in the pictures i have Mm -hmm. um and when they get to the size that we have i'm gonna tell you what they fight they pull they give you that tug that's for sure (laughs) i mean especially the ones you're catching yes yes absolutely all right so let me let me see where i want to start with this i have so many questions to ask you I mean, because well, these I have fish... so, much, so much time. I mean, you can talk to me. I will talk your ear off about this. So right. you just go ahead. Yeah, because there, there's, there's, these fish are just unbelievable. I mean, just unbelievable. So let's let's jump let's jump right into the uh, the slab lab. This is what you call your your lake. It's it's not a pond. It is a lake. How big is the lake? Well, it is a it's a five acre pond. Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just going by the way the uh, pictures looked. It looked looked bigger than that. So you and your dad, okay. Uh, your dad has come up with this, so uh, talk, talk a little bit about your dad and, and, and his vision right here. Well, he is, so a little background on him. He is a retired doctor. He had a private practice here in North Alabama for a very long time. He was the leading radiation oncologist for head and neck cancer in the southeast. So he's got that sciency biology background, if you will. Right. And my entire family fishes. My older brother is real big into saltwater fishing. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a big time pelagic angler. But my dad and I and my grandfather, we always bass fished. And, you know, that's just what we did. So when my dad was able to financially afford it, you know, he built his estate. He built a private lake um, 
to grow trophy bass. And that has been the program out at, the, at our lake for, I don't know, about 23, 24 years. We were a trophy bass pond. Right. Um, <clears throat> so fast forward to July 2018, we had uh, a major fish kill. Um, and we lost everything. We lost double digit bass, bluegill. I mean, the whole pond was belly up. And so we did what we thought we should do, which we sort of did a course correction and decided, you know, we'll just continue on. We'll start over. We'll persevere that things like this happen. So then you get into <laughs> spring of 2019. Okay. And we start catching some of these copper nose. And I catch one and I'm just, I'm sort of, you know, awestruck. I'm looking at it like, this looks different. This fish has shoulders. <laughs> this fish looks some like something you'd see, you know, in a sci-fi movie. Right. Um, and so we had this sort of aha moment where we realized, you know, thanks to American Sport Fish, the hatchery down in Auburn, Alabama, where we got the copper nose as fry. Mm-hmm we had something special and unique here and they are pure copper nose. They are not hybrid fish. Right. So we decided let's press the brakes on the bass program and let's press the gas on trophy copper nose. Let's just see. Cause we didn't know anybody else really that was doing it. So to speak at the level we were going to take it to. Um, and then, so now you've seen some of the most beautiful, gigantic copper nose that I think I've seen anywhere out of private water for sure. Um, and we've been very pleased with how it has gone and where it's going. <laughs> right. Well, about the fish kill, do y'all know mm-hmm. what caused the fish kill? We, so we do, um, we do everything. We do nothing in moderation. We do everything real big. That's just who we are as a family. That's who we are as people. Um, everything is very grand and we don't know moderation. We just press the gas on everything. Right. And we have, we ran the pond management on the bleeding edge. So we pushed it to the point where one or two small things happen. We knew that we were at risk for a major fish kill and it was a perfect storm. It was July, the heat of the summer, thunderstorm came through, knocked out power to the paddle wheels the de-stratifiers that we have. So basically we could not put enough oxygen back into the water. All the while we have an algae bloom at the same time. mm -hmm. So so think of it as a balloon that is slowly losing its helium. Basically that water was falling flat. There was no oxygen in it and the fish could not survive it. Right. Mm -mm -mm. So did any fish survive or did they all die? We had a total loss. We lost everything. And I have um, video and pictures on my Instagram of that fish kill. And I mean, it literally is just bellies and fins as far as you can see across the top of the lake. And that's just what floated up because, you know, sometimes uh, fish don't float up when they die. So um, it was just absolutely heartbreaking and devastating. Uh, The the neighbors hated us for a long time because it took a long time for all of that to sort of settle down. I bet. So, and how long ago was the fish kill? That was July 2018, so almost four, yeah, yeah, almost four years ago. Okay. Coming up on four years. Okay, so my next question is, when, all right, y'all, four years into this Slab Lab program, and you mm-hmm. you are catching four-pound-plus brim, so. Well, they're not, 
let me correct you right there because they're they're three plus. They're not. We don't. We we fully believe we have a four pound swimming. We've not caught it yet. Oh, okay. So, so what, on average, they're two, two and a half pounds, and then you've got a select few that are that three plus pound range, three and a quarter being the largest we've seen out of the slab lab thus far. Mm-hmm. But all indications point to we have potential four plus pound bluegill. And the uniqueness of that is just about all of these fish are large. That's why we have the attention on us right now is because it's not a one-off it's not just one big fish it's hundreds of big fish which is unusual i mean absolutely amazing i mean i'm sitting here looking at these pictures i mean it's just absolutely amazing uh Mm -hmm. so in four years you got Mm -hmm. these brim up to nearly four pounds three pounds plus Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. two pounds Mm -hmm. average so Mm -hmm. why are they so big why what made them get that big so fast well, we have a heavy feeding program. Um, we used uh, Aquamax MVP. It's a brand by Purina. Mm-hmm. We used that pellet feed for a while and switched over to Optimal Feed about a year and a half ago and have been very pleased with how that has worked. And we have just basically fed the fire out of them. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is amazing right there. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and it has nothing to do with uh, the fish that you bought, right? Well, yes, it does. Well, here's the thing. So we have just recently looped in a geneticist to help us do a little bit of research on these fish because there's some moving parts to the slab lab that haven't been shared. And you're going to get some of that information today firsthand for the first time ever. But I will tell you, um, we have pure copper nose, not hybrids, but we have survival of the fittest, if you will. These Mm -hmm. fish have absolutely no question superior genetics hmm. of copper nose bluegill so they are sort of the king of the jungle if you will yeah. um genetically speaking and we're going to further test them and do some things to hopefully help some of the fisheries um in the southeast public water right hopefully somebody else will be able to take some of this brood stock and produce trophy fish in public water, and we start something here. So um, there's a lot of red tape with that, and we're working through all of it, but there's definitely superior genetics within the copper-nosed bluegill that we have from American sport fish. Wow, that, that's awesome, too, uh, mm-hmm. that you're going to actually take y'all's time and, and, mm-hmm. and work with the state and help the public water. I mean, that is just, that's just great. That mm-hmm. is, that's mm-hmm. that's what conservationists do right there. That's right. And, and that's I, right. And, and that, go ahead. Well, and that, that's something that's um, real important to me and why I have sort of, you know, of course, the Slab Lab is catchy. The logo that we have is catchy. All that is fun and, you know, have been real exciting adventure. But the big narrative here is I want people to change the way they see pan fishing. Um, I'm a bass angler at heart. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I will chase that green fish. As, as long as I live, as long as the good Lord allows me to live, I will chase that green fish. Right. But these pan, but pan fishing, you know, should also be prized with these trophy bass that people catch. A double digit bass is extremely rare. Well, so is a three pound copper nose. You got that right. <laughs> and, and and I love it. I love your, I love what you got going on here. And I love, I love the whole premise behind it now because Alabama is known for, it, it's, it's not Texas, but it's known for some big bass and, right. and, and some big crappie. But, you know, and, of course, we got, what, in the current world, world record brim from Alabama also? 
It is. So yeah. the world record is also the state record. It was caught in 1950 out of Lake Katona down, you know, lower Alabama. I think it's just south of Birmingham. Right. Um, and an old lime quarry. I believe it's about, I mean, it's small. It's under 10 acres. Right. That, that pond is. And uh, the story on that is absolutely incredible. Uh, they crawled in like army style on their hands and knees, 12 foot cane pole dropped in and hooked a 4.12 bluegill. <laughs> that is just absolutely amazing. I love it. That's awesome. Yep. That is awesome. In 1950. <laughs> 1950. That's a, that's a long time for a record yeah. stand, you know. It is. It is. It really is. And you're about to break it. I, that is the goal. You know, from your lips to God's ears, that's the goal. That's right. That is that's awesome. I love it. And, 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 and back to y'all going, you know, helping the state out and putting these fish into the water, public waters. That's what I was going with. Uh, if if Alabama could be known, of course, we got the world record. Uh, also, for our waters, current wa- uh, waters right now, people start mm-hmm. catching these two-pound brim everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. people will flood the state. It'll just bring more money into the state. It, w- it will help conservation in the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it helps everything. It's just like the wild turkey. You save the wild turkey, everything mm-hmm. gets saved. And it's That's same- right. It's a, it's a whole ecosystem that exactly. happens. Exactly. Same way with the brim. Part- <clears throat> Yes, and, and part of that, too, there's there's two sides to that coin is, you know, with conservation of these bluegill, you have to be a responsible angler. Um, you know, they are a delicious fish fried up in some cornmeal and grease. There's not much better. However, a two-pound bluegill is a trophy fish and has to be released. So you have to start teaching people, you know, that may not know. I mean, so many people that fish for panfish, they fish for supper. That's what they're going to eat. Right. So it's important to let them know, hey, you did a bluegill that has these measurements on it. Take your picture and put that baby back in the water because that is an absolute trophy and it needs to be released so that those genetics can stay within that water and produce more. Um, and that, you know, is something that's very important to me as well. I, I particularly don't keep out uh, bass or things like that unless they're, you know, 10 to 12 inches or under. Um, and the same goes for our copper nose. If they're small copper nose, they come out. We have to call out, um, but the big ones are always catch and release, and it should be that way in, in public water as well. Right. I mean, people do it with bass. Why not do it with the yes. big brim? Yes, yes, yeah. they should. <laughs> yep. Now, what about crappie? Do you all have crappie in this lake, or do you just go? We do. No, yes, sir, we do have crappie in there, um, and we catch them. They are not. I don't want to say they're they're not feed trained like the bluegill are because we do have some pound and a half, two pound crappie. Uh, but, you know, really, they only spawn once a year and these bluegill spawn multiple times a year. So mm-hmm. you don't go out there and just catch a whole bunch unless you know exactly where they are. Um, and once you get on them, you, you know, you can get 10 or 12 every single cast. You know, you can make 10 or 12 casts and catch one every single cast. Um, but it's not a primary focus for us the crappie is not but right. i love catching those too i love eating them <laughs> oh i love it there's nothing better yep. in fresh water mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. and you saying your brother is a uh pelagic fisherman i mean what is his fa- is. what is his favorite and i'll tell you mine mine's the uh 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 oh my gosh the cobia i mean to oh me- listen he he, he chases the big marlins. That's his thing. Oh, really? I mean, he is out there absolutely sport fishing. Yes. Oh. We couldn't pull him away from it. And I love to see him out there doing that. Um, he has taken me a few times, and I, I didn't have my sea legs about me just yet. So <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I have since learned how to do that um, and absolutely enjoy salt water, but it's a completely different animal, you know, than what we do up here, freshwater right. bass fishing, pan fishing, but boy, I love that too. Right. Now I've seen on some of your social media that you take, you will every, occasionally take some children out or, and, and let them yes. fish. Now let's talk about that. I mean, you are, okay. you are a unique individual here. I mean, <laughs> I mean, not only, and I, I'm, I'm saying this from, from a man's point of view, you're a woman who loves to fish, and you're, you're taking other people out fishing. That's something a lot of men don't even do. Well, they don't have the patience for us for it like us women do. Right. Let's just be real. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're 100% right. So let's talk about we have that. that we have that nurturing quality. We want to teach and explain, and we have the patience to do it because it takes a lot of patience to take a child fishing. <laughs> right. You're right. So do, do you do this all the time, or is this something you do occasionally, or – or do you just like going fishing? I know you just love going fishing, but do you like taking people yeah. out and, and, and trying to? I do. Yeah. I do. I, I enjoy it. Uh, and I, I try to plan it around certain times of the year where I know the bite's turned all the way on. And I know I can put those kids on fish real, real easy. Because the goal is, you know, you get them hooked at an early age. They have a sense of accomplishment and they want to pursue they want to keep doing it and it gets them off the phones and off the computers and yep. outside. And, you know, you never know what you're going to see when you're fishing. We've got bald eagles that come out and eat out of our pond that live on the property. Uh, and it's just a whole experience, you know, mm. that that kid may have not had otherwise. And there's nothing like seeing, you know, a seven or eight year old little girl reeling and that bobber is just a going and it's a two pound bluegill. And, she doesn't know at the time that could be her PB bluegill for the rest of her life. And oh, she yeah. did it at seven years old, you know, yeah, so right. um, it's a great teaching moment. And, you know, I, I just, I love everything about it and I really enjoy sharing it. Um, and that has brought me a great sense of joy to see my friends and family just really jump in and want to be a part of what we're doing too. That's awesome. And that that's great. And you're right. So, you, you mentioned the personal best. What is, right now, what is your personal best? Bluegill, uh, bluegill or bass? Bluegill. Three and a quarter pounds. Three and a quarter. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. a three-pound bass, I mean, a three-pound, <laughs> three-pound bass, I'm so used to saying that. Uh-huh. Three, <laughs> a three-pound bluegill, when you hook him, he'll pull uh -huh. like a six, seven-pound bass. But the uh, only, the well, only the, but, they will dive deep like smallmouth. Right. They're just gone. Yeah, and they'll fight gone. to the bitter end, won't they? I mean, they absolutely will. Some of the smaller ones will breach. They'll come out. You know how a bass will come out and tail walk and yep. shake and perform? Mm -hmm. The bluegill will do the same thing at a certain size. Right. And what size is that? Which, which size do you find that they start doing that? Mm, anywhere from about a pound to two and a half pounds is really the size I have, that's been the average that I've seen where they come out and they just act a fool on the top of the water like that. Because <laughs> um, the bigger ones, just they just go. I mean, and they pull. Yeah. I mean, they will pull on you. And it, I'm going to be honest with you, it, it's comparable to catching large smallmouth and, and largemouth bass, the way right. they pull on you pound for pound. That bluegill has got them. I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, a big largemouth, I mean, she'll she'll fight for a little while, then she'll just give up. You know, she'll just, yeah. she'll just float right up there and let you grab her. A bluegill, mm -hmm. no. No. they're. I mean, they're fighting even when you got them out of the water and you're trying to take the hook out of their mouth. They're still carrying on and acting a fool, so. Yep. What size pound line do you use right now, you know, catching these big right. bluegill? 
<laughs> so people do not understand me or what I do with this and they think I'm crazy. The lowest test I go down to, and that is during the cold water temps, is six pounds. Six pounds. Mm -hmm. Yes. During the summer, I'm usually between eight and ten. Wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Golly. Is, is there a reason why you like the heavier line during the summer? Um, I, I, you know, one of the main reasons is because I'm fishing off these docks, mm -hmm. and I have to sometimes grab the line. And I just like that heavier line. I know that, that fish is secure. Um, but but really, the only reason I taper down in the winter is because the bite is so much lighter. You know, I, I need that, that split-second feel. I need to see that line move just a little bit more so that I know that fish is – I have a fish on or a fish, you know, interested. And so um, – but, yeah, most people just laugh at me when I tell them during the summer it's an 8- to 10-pound test. <laughs> so – in, in the wintertime, let, let's let's give us a give us some tips here. In the wintertime, how are you catching? And I know you fish uh, you fish all year mm -hmm. long. So how are you catching these big brim or just brim in general for anybody? Mm -hmm. A little kid listening right now, or a little you know boy girl, or or just mm -hmm. you know somebody just wanting to get into fishing. So what would you tell them right now in in the cold weather? <clears throat> and then let's move into the spring because we know what happens you know in the full moon in the spring. Yeah. So and then go into summer. So. Uh, give us give us some tips how how Sarah catches these brim. Well, you, you have to understand uh, when we built the slab lab, I was uh, I was a child, but I was there. I know where every piece of structure and cover are out there. I know where every rock pile is. I know where every fish habitat is. I know where every rip rat. I know where everything is, um, and I know where spots that hold fish are. So really in the wintertime, you know, it's not, it, you can't really compare it to people up north who are ice fishing. That's a very different scenario. Our water temps just don't get that cold here in Alabama, which is why we're able to produce trophy bass and trophy panfish. We have a much longer growing season in our climate. Um, but really in the wintertime, I fish the same lures I fish spring and summer. I do not downsize. The smallest size I use is a two inches. Is a two inch twirly tail minnow. That's the smallest lure I use out there. Is that your favorite plastic? Um, it's one of two. I use the Stanley Jigs uh, Ribbit Runt, which has little paddle feet that sort of have a. They create uh, action in the water, and it really activates that prey drive in the bluegill and drives them nuts. Um, but that you got to think, my bluegill are spawning multiple times, so a right. two-inch swirly tail minnow is very much matching the hatch year-round out there. It's very similar to what they see, um, and so I just know where those rocks are. I know where they're where they're holed up. Um, I know the docks that they are stacked under like stove wood, and it makes it so it's a little bit easier for me. I mean, I'm just gonna be honest. Right. 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 <laughs> Um, you know, so that's, that's one of those things that it's like, if I can get the kids out here and I can start teaching them and talking to them, you know, maybe they want to go learn, you know, find additional resources and things like that. So they can learn how to fish too. Right. Man. Mm. See, we always use, <laughs> we always, now I love pan fishing. My, me and my dad, <clears throat> we, you know, we, we go after, we go after the crappie. I mean, we love crappie fishing. And so, mm -hmm. uh, now, down, well, you know, when it gets real hot, you know, and, and you've been working all day, well, a lot, a lot of times we'll, me and some of my friends, we'll go get just jump in the creek 
and walk down the creek with six pound line with a with a beetle spin on. And you can't beat that beetle spin. Oh, I'm gonna tell you right now that beetle spin is a fantastic lure. Oh, it is, man. And and the thing is, mm-hmm. any everything hits it. Everything will bite I, the beetle spin. I have caught a five pound bass on a beetle spin. Yes, I mean it's it's so fun. And, now uh, listen, if you if if you're a true panfish angler, I'm gonna take you back. You ever fished a Keystone minnow? Keystone minnow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little old bitty keystone. I have. I mean, yeah, okay. Yes, okay. I have. I'm surprised because most of the time when I say that, people just look at me cross-eyed like they don't know what I'm talking about. Well, so. <laughs> I am 47 years old, so I mean, I've been, okay. been around for a little while. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I fished those. And I mean, as a matter of fact, I remember the first time I ever fished one, I was, man, I was probably about six or seven years old. My dad had a mm-hmm. tackle box. I never will forget his tackle box. I can tell you everything was in it right now. But uh, I used to sit there and just look at it. And I remember those those keystone minnows mm-hmm. in those thing in that mm-hmm. tackle box. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what I first started learning how to fish on was a keystone minnow, or a bobber and a cricket. Yeah. Well, that's how I first learned. We that's what we we had we had crickets, but we didn't have bobbers. We had the porcupine quills. Remember the quills? Yes. <laughs> yep. Matter of fact, uh, we were me and a friend of mine. Hey, this guy. I'm telling you what. You got go go on my TikTok on the Alabama Sportsman's TikTok page, and you'll see him on there. His name's Neil, and I love this guy to death. And this guy, oh my gosh, he's we put we put a video on there of him talking. It's got three hundred almost four hundred thousand views just him talking. <laughs> oh my I mean, goodness. he is the greatest person you'll ever meet. I'm telling you, I love him to death. We call him Beetle Spin. I mean, because he loves Beetle Spins. We were over in Bibb County the other day. And uh, they have a, a, a state lake there in Bibb County. So we go in their little store, and I'm walking around. I said, oh, look here, the, the quills. I found some quills, so I, I bought those. And he's all the time talking about this certain beetle spin. It's, it's a black one with, with certain colors on it. I walk by. A yellow dot. Yep. Black with a yellow dot. Yep. And, and a red one. It's got a, about. it's got a red one on yep. there also. And so yep. I picked, there's a whole card. I picked the whole card up. I said, look what I found. He said, well, you got, I showed him the whole card. He grabbed it right out of my hand. I said, hold, buddy. I said, I just found that these are mine. He said, man, uh-huh. I'll buy every one of them. I said, well, I'm going to buy them yep. all. And he's, and I was just picking at him because I know he loves them so much. So I let him buy them. The ladies in there, he had those ladies working the store rolling. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you just got to hear him. I mean, he's just, he is so fun. Everything he says is hilarious. And uh, so this guy, he will if he was here right now, he'd tell you the swirly tail minnow was was junk. That's what he would say. He goes, "Daddy is junk." <laughs> he, he'll, t- he'll tell you you have to throw a beetle spin. That's what because that's what he loves. Well, I matter of fact, I'm getting him a shirt made. It says beetle spin. But, I love it. Yeah, but you got to meet him. I, I hope one day you'll get to because I mean he yes. he's a sweet man. I mean he loves pan fishing. That's all he wants to do. I got a I got a buddy that that uh, tournament fishes all the time. He told me he goes, I'll tell you how to win the tournament. If you'll take that back uh, that black beetler is what he calls it the back uh, the black beetler. He said if you'll take that black beetler and go out there in the lake, he said you'll catch every bass in the lake. So <laughs> he he's he's hilarious. He's hilarious. But you see him on TikTok if you go on there on the Alabama Sports I'll go, TikTok. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go look when we get done. I'll check him out. Yeah, he he is a, he is a character. But uh. Yeah, the uh, I seen you throwing some uh, some little crankbait, and you was catching some of these on. Is that intentional? No, that's when I'm bass fishing. These fools out here at the Slab Lab hit bass lures. 
Like, wow. I mean, they hit crankbait. They hit mega bass dark sleeper. I mean, it's, it's, I'm telling you what, there's something different about these bluegill. <laughs> hey, there's something different what you got going on up there. I mean, that That's is right. just. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. I mean, it is absolutely amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. so, all right. <clears throat> I seen on, I can't remember what it was. It was one of your social media pages. Now, I went mm-hmm. through and I was trying to do my homework on you. So, uh, you know, <laughs> that's why I'm, I wasn't creeping. I was just trying to do my homework on you. So, you had someone from the record. Who was it? The International what? Who'd you have? International that? Game Fishing Association. Right. The IGFA. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, what what were they saying to you? You know, what was that whole, how, how did they come up to you? And uh, tell us all about this. Well, you are you you may be talking. I'm not real sure what you're talking about because nobody has reached out to me from the IGFA. I've talked to them oh, about okay. how to certify the world record. I mean, the game warden arrested me. <laughs> arrested <laughs> Is that what you're you? Talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that was it or not. Uh, no. He... Well, then we won't. But pretend I didn't say that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, it, that's not what I was talking about. But now I tell you what, when uh, no, we're good. We're good, Jamie. We're good. So li- edit li- that part out. <laughs> listen, when 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 we get off, I wanna I wanna ask you a few questions. So don't hang up when this is over with. Okay. okay. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I I, I could have swore I could have swore that they were there. The uh, the Game Fish uh, Association was there. Uh, or, I wonder if you're talking about Sean McNulty with American Sport Fish. I just recently did a video with him that went out on my social media. That's the fish hatchery out of Auburn, Alabama, and they have an office in Texas okay. that we bought that we bought the copper nose from as fry. We bought those copper noses fry from them and stocked seven thousand plus copper nose as okay. fry. That's where they came from. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that's probably what it was then. I mm-hmm. I was trying mm-hmm. to get a lot of information quick on you, so. I may have missed. Well, Lord, I've untold on myself. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, no, nah. no, we ain't worried about that. But uh, all right. So your dad, does he like to fish? I mean, is is, is I know he built this lake, but does he fish with you a lot? He he actually, as he's gotten a little bit older now, a uh, little you know longer in the tooth, mm-hmm. he doesn't fish quite as much. He really enjoys growing the fish, and we have this great working relationship where I say he grows the fish and I catch them, and that works just fine for us. But growing up, he was an avid bass angler. Um, him and my grandfather would get up early in the morning. We're from, we're originally from Montgomery, Alabama. Okay. So mm-hmm, they would get up early in the morning, and they would hit all different types of lakes and ponds together, and they would come back, and we ate the bass. My grandmother would um fry them up and we would eat them she'd make homemade hush puppies and i mean they fished for supper that's what they did right um my aunt worked for ray scott for 40 years awesome. so i grew up in the environment that you know fishing is like breathing air that's what everybody does or so i thought you know right. um so it's always been something that has sort of brought my family together and we've always enjoyed together. Uh, as my dad's gotten a little bit older, he will occasionally come out there if I'm on fish and he knows he can catch them. Right. <laughs> he will come out there and he will fish with me and he just has, a, has the best time, you know. Right. So when when y'all, when your dad, you know, originally, originally started this lake, his, his original plan was for bass. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we did. We had trophy bass. So we what? had teeners, teen, teen, thirteen wow. pounds. We had we had we had trophy bass. Um, oh my gosh. We had F ones. 
Oh um, my gosh, yeah. Tiger bass that right. also came from American sport fish. Um, so they grow fast and they're aggressive and they're an absolutely beautiful species of bass uh, and lots and lots of fun to catch. They are fighting fish. They perform. Uh, and that's what we have currently is tiger bass that are in the slab lab. And I'm going to tell you what, they are absolute athletes. Um, they eat high protein food, the bluegills that can fit in their mouth and they can eat. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, they're, they're getting meal after meal after meal. So we fully expect some surprises with our bass down the road as well. It's just been a slower growing game from them since we sort of pulled back to allow the bluegill to grow and become the size they are. So how long, um, how long ago was it when you put the bass into the pond? Three, when it turned over three and a half years. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And so what's the biggest one you've caught out so far out of there? Uh, it's right under seven. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's, that's growing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the, the thing about this is, I don't know if you saw it, uh, I can't even remember when it was, my days are running together, I called a 10-inch bluegill the other day that literally didn't fit on the bump board. I, I mean, he was like, looked like he had a bee sting and was swole up. I mean, he was just absolute mammoth. It was probably right at two pounds and 10 inches long um literally they look like hubcaps with fins (laughs) i mean so that is that is an indicator that our young fish our fish that were just born you know in in last spawn or the spawn before are growing excessively fast um so it's really got us excited to see what some of these two and three year old bluegill are going to look like getting ready to go on the bed because you know they're going to fatten up they're going to come up they're going to eat everything in sight uh when they get ready to spawn right just like a bass would right that, that's going to be my next question so mm-hmm. <clears throat> we we were talking earlier we all when i said we all know what happens in the spring you know when the, yeah when the full moon hits so mm-hmm. um are you looking at like the end of april in your lake or is it going to be in the may when the when, when they start um, going on bed Usually it's May, mm-hmm. I, you know, it depends on this weather is just crazy. I yeah. mean, so if it gets warm and it stays warm, it could potentially be earlier because it's all about those water temps getting to the right temperature and the fish know it's time to, you know, prepare and build nests and actually spawn. So, but usually you can pretty much yeah. circle the month of May and you're, you're going to catch a lot of large bluegill out of the slab lab. In the month right. of May. So what's the perfect temperature for a bluegill to spawn in? I believe it's 66 degrees is the starting. Right. I'd have to double check that and look it up, but I think it's 66 degrees um, is when they start to move up and prepare to spawn. Right. And and when they, and when they have the row in them and uh, they're going on bed, if, if you take an average in your lake, you know, a two-pounder or a three-pounder, what when she when she's got eggs in her what what's the average then you know if she's average right now or or in the, even in the fall it hit two or three pounds when it hits springtime what what's the weight difference there what 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 are y'all seeing you know we, we didn't we didn't measure that so we don't have any baseline data on that from last spring I right. did catch several that were just you know full of eggs and literally looked like they had swallowed golf balls. Wow. I mean, their 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 scales are stretched. Oh my gosh, I've never seen that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. I bet your dad loves it when he sees these big brim, don't he? 
knowing how that, he does. Knowing that that's his lake and that was his dream, and there it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He absolutely loves it. When the we did, just did an article with Outdoor Life um, that went live on this past Saturday, and it, it ended up going viral. And I mean, it was like every five minutes we were back and forth on the phone with my mom, my dad, anybody that would listen. Oh my gosh, did you see so-and-so shared it? Oh my gosh, it's on Apple News. It's at the top of Google. I mean, it just absolutely, you know, floored us in the best possible way because you just don't expect people. I mean, it's what we want. We want people to have interest in pan fishing and bluegill. And, you know, in today's environment, you sort of have to have something shock and awe. And that's what these bluegill are. You know, these aren't the teeny... I mean, we had we had to create some stir somewhere to get people interested to begin with. And now all of a sudden it's like everybody I talk to is I remember when my daddy did this. I remember when my granddaddy took me to this lake. I remember catching my, my first fish. It was a bluegill. And just that sort of emotional moment and those memories, like I would do this all over again. Because this is not this is not a easy feat and it is very very expensive to do oh, what yeah. we do yeah and let's talk about the structure in the lake uh what all kind of structure do you have in the lake um so we have uh rock piles we have concrete culverts the big construction you know concrete that you see on the side of the roads um, right. that hold up you know like bridge pillars and things like that we've got um a bunch of cedar roots uh christmas trees we've got uh american fish tree fish habitat we've got root wad kits and um fish habitat from moss back i mean you name it it's in there <laughs> wow and it's not just like it's a big bowl there's different depths dug out at different places there's even a um a, a spot that's almost designated for bluegill spawn mm-hmm. um so you know it, it was very well designed and thought out when it was dug out and built right you know if, if a bluegill had teeth like like a, a saltwater fish, I would not swim in the water. You know what? I know. They're like I piranha. They're, they look like piranha. Yes. Yes. And they actually do have very, 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 very fine small teeth oh, that yeah. you can see in some of the pictures that I have because my bluegill are so large, but right. not anything that would, you know, take a toe off or anything like that. You know, <laughs> piranha, piranha to eat your arm. So the bluegill won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> They'll eat anything else. So I've got video. This is a funny story. I've come out to the pond one day, you know, and I can always tell when my dad is out there tinkering mm-hmm. and doing stuff, the mad scientist at work, if you will. And right. he's standing on the edge of the dock and I hear the water. I mean, it sounds like just, you know, somebody shooting the water with a BB gun. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? And so I just thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and pop open my phone and I'm going to video this. And I walk up on him and he has a plate of food scraps it's pork, it's steak, it's egg casserole, it's, it's whatever he had eaten the week before that he had <laughs> saved. And he is feeding these bluegill, and they are in a frenzy. Wow. And you can see in the video, he throws the food in, and they swarm. And you'll see the bigger bluegill take the food and shake its head like a dog with this pork, with this piece of bacon in its mouth. I mean, it yeah. is... You know, it's just it's just real special place out there. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is awesome. That is awesome. So, when do you expect when do you expect that you will come close to catching this world record? What what what's your time frame looking? What what are you thinking? 
Well, I would, you know, hope that it would be this season. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, I don't know that because contrary to what people think, you still have to fish for these fish. You have to hunt these big trophy fish. The smaller bluegill will pretty much hit an empty hook. Mm -hmm. But these two and a half plus pound bluegill are very similar to a double digit bass. You hunt that fish. That right. fish is that big for a reason. That fish is smart and that fish is not just going to, you know, hit anything. Um, so I would love to see it happen this, this season. I'm fairly confident if it doesn't, it will be in the next 12 months. That right. is our, that is my hope. So these real big ones like you're targeting that you're hunting, mm -hmm. <clears throat> mm -hmm. are, are you catching them on that swirly tail minnow also or are you are you fishing with worms right on the bottom oh you are okay mm -hmm. i am do you know where the, in your lake do you know where them big ones are bedding do, hey let me that's a great question do the big mm -hmm. ones all bed by themselves, or or do they bed with all the other ones do they all bed together or how does that work they, with them? so so bluegill are they'll school up in similar size Mm -hmm. um so similar size bluegill will all kind of hang out together so if i if i get on some in the middle of may and they're all a pound to two pounds i know that is the biggest that's in that school that uh, you know I'm, I'm on some but that there's not any big monsters the real big monsters the three plus pounds they're going to be loners mm -hmm. they're going to be like that double digit bass right. they're not going to be hanging around they are by themselves. They are somewhere where they are secure, where they can ambush, and they are left alone. So they're not going to be where you see all the brown beds, you know, if, you, if you're in shallow mm -hmm. water. They're not going to be there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What depth of water mm -hmm. do they usually bed in, those uh, big ones like that? Well, I mean, they all bed super shallow. You can see the brim beds. Even the big eye. ones? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's good information right there that – you know, mm -hmm. folks, if you're catching brim and they're all, you catch one or two or three and it's the same size. It's the same size. It's the same with crappie too. Right, right. You're I mean, if you, if you, if you're catching one crappie, <clears throat> you take it off the hook, throw it in the cooler, you know, and then you cast out again, chances are you're going to catch another one. Right. Because they're crappie, they, they all school up, you know, mm -hmm. and they kind of move as a pack, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, a very interesting fact that people, don't really know is that you know depending on water clarity and how shallow that bluegill are they can see you they right. have their eye if you look at their eyes they can actually see you right and so if you walk up on a bunch of bed and bluegill they will turn in circles and throw throw dust or sand up they'll murky up that water where you can see their beds to protect their fry that's awesome Mm -hmm. now see i've seen them do that i didn't know that mm -hmm. they, that's what they were doing that means they saw you or yeah. they felt you or they heard you yeah. so they were they were very in tune to where you were going where you were moving and if you get relatively close to them they will do that see that's not fair you know that, that's just not fair it's because i can't see them when i'm underwater with my eyes so they, yeah they shouldn't be able to see me but uh that, that's 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 awesome right there that's a lot of good information mm -hmm. you're giving us today Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well sarah thank you for coming on and uh i've taken up a lot of your time and uh but i tell you what i'd love to come up and meet with you and especially if you catch the world record i really want to meet you and, and uh okay. do another one of these and uh and i tell you what, just good luck thank just good you look and thank i you. and i, I hope that. i hope i hope if anybody in the whole entire world catches it i hope it's you because well, you, you deserve that. it, everything you've done, and and uh, 
everything that y'all got going on. Hey, do you want to uh, plug your social media so people can follow it or or no? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, they can find me um, on Instagram at Sarah the Closer Parvin. It's the same on TikTok, Sarah the Closer Parvin, and it's the same on Facebook, Sarah the Closer Parvin. All right. Yeah, that, that's how I found you on TikTok. I hadn't been yeah. on there. I hadn't been on there long, and uh, my page was growing. So I was sitting there going through a bunch of stuff, comments, and one day I opened it up, and it was on my for you page, and it was boom, there it was. You were the first video on there. I was like, oh my. God. Matter of fact, that guy Neil that uh, I told you we call uh-huh. him Beetlespin, I showed uh-huh. him. He said, man, those have to be those hybrids. I said, I don't think so. And they're not. And I never intended one to do videos or two to have a TikTok, but mm-hmm. every time I would post a picture, I would have that one person. That's a fake fish. That's a mount. That fish ain't real. So I said, well, you know what? Here's some videos. Let me show you. These fish are very real and they are copper nose. <laughs> they're not hybrids. Uh, and then I jumped on the TikTok bandwagon, I guess about six months ago, and it has really grown. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've had some negative people and negative comments, but you know, you take the good with the bad and the bad with the good. And I'm just excited to see people so passionate about a mighty little fish like a bluegill. Oh, me too. I love it. And I tell you, when mm-hmm. I seen it, I went through probably every one of your videos showing those, showing my buddies, you got to see these. I mean, it was just <laughs> unreal. I mean, it was unreal. And I can't tell you how many I have shared. I mean, I've, I've uh, well, shared. thank you. Yeah. I, yeah, I, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm sharing the mess out of them, so. I love what you got going on. I, I I love your 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 enthusiasm and and uh, everything. So it's just it's just great and it's refreshing to uh, to talk with someone like you. Well, thank you. I have enjoyed this and could go on for four more hours if you let me. So yeah. I will stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe next time we can, and maybe it'll be you know you be popping bottles or something. You know what I mean. Celebrate. Okay, well, I hope so. Yeah. Yep. I, 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 no, keep in mind, I have to. I have to take the record by two ounces, so I have to oh. produce four point fourteen pound bluegill to take the title. Four point fourteen. That's right. a big fish. That is a huge fish. Oh my yes. gosh! Well, <laughs> you can do it. I know you can. I believe in you. I well, thank you, Jamie. I sure do appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs>